Welcome to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. In this program, we want to encourage you in your Christian faith by showing how scientific evidence supports the Bible, particularly the Genesis account. The book of Genesis lays the foundation for all matters addressed in the rest of the Bible. The nature of God, His sovereignty in creation, man's purpose, sin, marriage, family, and why we need a Savior are all introduced and explained in Genesis. When we see that the first and most foundational book of the Bible can be trusted in all matters, including science, it builds confidence in the rest of the inspired Word all the way to Revelation. Joining us on today's show is ICR's CEO, Dr. Henry Morris III. He'll continue his five-part series on five reasons to believe in recent creation. Historical science observes clues in the present that may be applied to possible cause in the past. Evolutionists claim that fish evolved into amphibians, and amphibians into reptiles, and so on. But what do we see in the fossil record? Do evolutionists hold a worldview supported by true science? Stay tuned for today's show of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, as Dr. Morris will explain how and why there is no evidence that evolution took place in the past. Here's Dr. Morris. We've been talking about the evidence for a recent creation. Looked at the evidence that science has available to it, that it can observe and test and verify, and that all the present evidence does not support any kind of evolutionary development over ages, but rather everything appears just as we would expect it to appear if it had been created as God identifies in the early chapters of Genesis. So the scientists would suggest that since we don't see it in the present, no evolution taking place at all now, we can find evidence for it in the past, in the ancient past, particularly in the record of the fossils that are buried deep within the Earth's material, in the Earth's crust, and the strata that's available to us geologically. Since it's really impossible to conduct an experiment that either verifies or falsifies theories that take place over eons of time, one must turn to some sort of historical or forensic science for answers. Now, historical science observes clues in the presence that may be applied to a possible cause in the past. For instance, archaeologists and paleontologists study origins just as detectives study a murder case. Both practice forensic or historical science, which uses the technical information and skills of the present to piece together the remains of a past event or a sequence of events. The archaeologist tries to picture what a given culture or city or a person may have looked like from the various remnants of civilizations that are uncovered from the period of time. The paleontologist does essentially the same thing, but it's looking at fossilized bones, trying to understand what a creature looked like, when and how it lived, based on the information preserved in the Earth's crust. To develop forensic theories about life forms of the ancient past, a paleontologist turns to the fossil record. Almost all prehistorical evidence is contained in the fossil record, and almost all fossils are contained in the various types of water-deposited rock, rare exceptions being those found in amber and peat and so on. But the sedimentary rock was disturbed and laid down by water. And that water-deposited rock is all over the planet, even at the tops of the mountains. 
In order for evolutionary scientists to demonstrate that life forms have changed into more complex life forms over time, they must demonstrate it historically by producing examples of such changes, often referred to as transitional forms. If indeed the changes occurred slowly over billions of years through natural accidents, then there ought to be many, many transitional forms available for scientists to uncover and observe in the fossil record. And there ought to be easily observed progressive order to the fossil record, that is, down at the deepest level of the water-deposited rock layers, supposedly the most ancient deposits, there should be very simple life forms like algae and other single-cell organisms. Further up in the layers and supposedly nearer to our time, there should be more complex marine intervertebrate creatures such like trilobites and clams with plenty of evidence to the transitional forms that change from one cell life to increasingly complex ocean life. Those creatures should have evolved into fish and they should be found higher up in the water deposited rock layers and fish and amphibians and amphibians and reptiles and so on. The evidence of the fossil record doesn't seem to support those ideas. That's what the evolutionary theory predicted would be found in the fossil record of our past, but the reality is far from what is actually found and expected. 95% of all fossils are marine invertebrates. These highly complex creatures, trilobites, starfish, coral, sponges, jellyfish, clams, ammonites, etc., are found on the tops of mountains, in the middle of the deserts, on all land masses on the earth, in every layer of the various eras of the proposed evolutionary time. These so-called geologic column is full of these marine invertebrates. Everywhere we look, from top to bottom, we see the same critters. Down at the bottom, up near the top, right in the middle, in every single layer all the time. Now, that goes against the expectations of what you would look for if the evolutionary cosmogony were accurate. One of the major features of our historical science is we expect to find something, but we don't. After the break, we'll look a little bit more carefully at the evidence that's in the past in the fossil record. What happened to the dinosaurs? Are monkeys and people the same? Why do we live on Earth and not some other planet? Kids have some great questions about God's creation, but do you have the answers for them? At the Institute for Creation Research, our scientists and Bible scholars have produced The Guide to Creation Basics. This book contains full-colored images and fascinating commentary from experts in biology, geology, astronomy, and biblical study. Guide to Creation Basics can help teach your children how the animals could fit on Noah's Ark, how dinosaurs and humans could live at the same time, and how God's power and wisdom can be seen in something as small as a single cell. Find basic answers to your child's biggest creation questions. Order your copy of Guide to Creation Basics from the Institute for Creation Research by calling 800-628-7640 or visiting www.icr.org. This is Dr. Henry Morris, and we're talking about the evidence in the fossil record that demonstrates actually a recent creation just like it's described in the book of Genesis. 95% of all fossils are marine invertebrates, those 
things like clams and starfish and jellyfish and so on. The so-called geologic column is full of these marine invertebrates. These fossils are so abundant that the evolutionists themselves have named the era the Cambrian Explosion. The organisms all appear fully formed with absolutely no hint that they evolved from anything else. This layer of first life seems to explode in the fossil record with no observable history prior to their existence. That's a real problem for an evolutionary scientist, but it's exactly what would be expected by one who believes the information found in the Bible. Of the remaining 5% of all fossils, 95% are plant fossils, typically part of the coal beds and seams found everywhere on Earth, including the well-known mountain ranges. These coal beds are even formed in Antarctica. 95% of what's left is composed mostly of insect fossils, about 2% of the whole, and only about 1% or one-tenth of 1% of all fossils are the so-called higher-order fossils. This provides really very little evidence to work with, and many of these remains are merely pieces of fossilized bones or so jumbled together that it's almost impossible to tell which bone goes to which creature. Scientists have very little historical evidence to work with when trying to reconstruct the later life forms. The animals that do exist as complete fossils, mostly marine creatures, are fully formed. The rare larger animals like the dinosaurs and the extinct mammals are in most cases fragmented or crushed and broken so much that it's very difficult to tell what they really look like. But in no case is there evidence for transitional forms other than the fanciful stories invented by theorists and artists for museums and National Geographic specials. Some fossilized creatures once thought to be extinct for millions of years are still in existence today, famous coelacanth fish being the best-known example. But there are, in fact, a profusion of such living fossils found in exactly the same form as in the fossil record. In addition, there are many life forms that are alive and prospering whose ancestors are found in the fossil record in essentially the same shape and size as we know them, like the crocodile and the turtle and the bat, many fish and lots of insects. None of these has transitioned into anything else over the supposed millions of years of their existence. And there continues to be no fossil evidence, alive, extinct, or unique, that shows the slightest hint of them becoming another kind of creature. Of course, speculation abounds just how they could have done this or that, or how the unusual feature some fossil might have developed into a leg or a wing or some other enormous structural change from what it observed in the fossil. But there simply is no evidence of such change. There's no observed transitional form. What certainly exists in huge quantities is faith. Faith in a worldview of unobserved evolutionary development that excludes any supernatural intervention or distinction of natural processes. This faith in evolutionary worldview does not depend on evidence. The theory of evolution is a means to an end. The sole and stated purpose of a naturalistic or mechanistic cosmogony is to provide an atheistic explanation for the existence of all things. Repeatedly in the scientific literature, proponents of evolution insist that God or any other supernatural force cannot exist. Materialism alone solves all of the problems. One of the more famous professors, Harvard biologist, said we are willing to accept scientific claims that are against common sense. It's the key to understanding the real struggle between science and the supernatural. It's not that the methods and institutions of science somehow compel us to accept a material explanation, but on the contrary, we're forced. 
by our adherence to material causes to create an apparatus of investigation and a set of concepts that produce material explanations, no matter how counterintuitive, no matter how mystifying. Moreover, that materialism is absolute. We cannot allow a divine foot in the door. The theory of evolution does not have scientific evidence to support its assertion. We'll be looking more at what God tells us, how his character actually prevents the possibility of any evolutionary thinking in the way God does things. We'll talk together next time. Thank you for joining us on Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. That's all the time we have for our program today, but we would love to connect with you through our website at icr.org. For over 45 years, ICR has equipped believers with evidence of the Bible's accuracy and authority by showing how science supports the Genesis creation account. Our scientists research the evidence for creation and communicate their findings through books, articles, DVD series, and conferences. Please visit our website at icr.org for more information about the latest scientific discoveries, to subscribe to our free magazine and devotional, and to locate our next creation conference at a venue near you. All of this and more at icr.org.